So I'd ask you to turn in God's Word with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and we're in the narrative where Jesus has been born and now it is made known to men. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and we're going to be reading through to verse 20. In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And so they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. As we look at this passage this morning, just two introductory comments that I need to make. And the first one is familiarity. There's a danger here of familiarity. You might have been a shepherd in the play, When you were a child, you might have told the story to your children every single time we get together and remember these events. You might have read this hundreds of times. You might have seen it in plays. And the danger is that we become familiar with this passage. And that after a while you don't see it anymore. You don't see the intent of this passage. You don't see why God has kept it in his word for us. And yes, the main intent of this passage is a narrative. Luke, remember, is writing to give the events, to state those events which were important to the Christian faith so that Theophilus would be confirmed in his faith. And so the main intent of this passage is to tell the story of how Jesus was born and the events surrounding that. But I think we can also learn from the interaction here between God and men how people react to what God does among them. And it's important for us. It's not just a nice story. The second uh, note I just want to make as introduction is that right throughout Jesus's, the, these events surrounding Jesus' birth, the word humility comes to mind. 
See, when Jesus came to this earth, it wasn't announced like they do so many people today. We've had the recent events in North Korea and how new leaders are announced with pomp and ceremony. But there's a note of humility surrounding the birth of Jesus that is very intentional there by God. And it issues a major challenge to our church and our culture today where self-promotion, pomp and ceremony are the order of the day. And it's even crept into churches in the way we advertise out there in the community. Pomp, ceremony, flashing lights. I wonder if that is really the way God wants us to present ourselves. Or is it rather as a church which is there to humbly serve the way our master did? Daryl Bach put it really well when he said, Trumpets are best left in the hands of angels. Very well said. And I think that's a good statement to remember too in our service for the Lord. Let's serve as our master did. Let's be, let the world see us the way they did our master. He came in humility and so should we. So I'd ask you to turn in your text with me and we're going to go through verse by verse and we're going to look at these events. And so we come to this announcement made from heaven, verses 8 to 14. In the same region there were shepherds staying out in the fields, looking after their sheep. Let's just set the scene with these shepherds. Come with me, if you will, to this little scene where these shepherds are looking after their sheep. I'd imagine it would be a quiet, cool, crisp evening, much like we've been having these last few nights. Beautiful nights where you can see the Milky Way. It must have been this cool, crisp, star-filled night. And there these shepherds are. They've driven their sheep into a very crude stone shelter or one made just with branches. And now they're quietly sitting, chatting around the fire before sleep comes to them. And as they're sitting there chatting and relaxing, suddenly, the word suddenly appears quite a few times in Luke as these angels appear. But as these shepherds are sitting there, suddenly an angel of the Lord appears among them. And it doesn't stop there. It says the glory of God shone round. Literally, it says there, the glory of God flashed around. So here we are. The shepherds have been sitting there quietly and suddenly the scene changes. Here's this angel among them and the glory of God is flashing among them. And then it kind of says the very obvious. They were very afraid. I would be too. The word used there is they, they feared greatly. Can I just stop there and make another comment? Were those shepherds expecting this coming? As they were sitting there chatting around the fire, did they say, we'd better finish up now, boys, because very soon an angel's going to appear to us and then he's going to say something. No. They were going about their normal duties and suddenly things changed. In the era we're living in now, what do we know is going to happen next? There's going to be another suddenly, isn't there? And the same Jesus Christ is going to appear. And I just want to ask you this morning, as you sit here, before we've even got to the rest of this message, are you ready for that coming? Because you too will be going around your normal everyday goings on. You too might be chewing the cud, sitting around the fire, camping on the beach, fishing, and then suddenly 
Are you ready? Because life will change them, as we know. And so this angel appears among these shepherds. And this was very special to them because he brings them a message. You see, they were the first to hear this message. There was relevance here. You see, shepherds in those days were social outcasts. Why were they social outcasts? Well, firstly, they were ceremonially unclean. They they worked with animals all the time and with animal droppings and all kinds of things. They came into contact with animals, with sheep specifically, due to the nature of their work. And also, they couldn't get to the temple every week to go through all those religious rituals that they were supposed to go through. They were out in the fields working, and so they were seen as unclean. Mostly, the shepherds would be poor. They wouldn't be educated. And the law even said that a shepherd was not allowed to testify in court. So they were really looked down upon. And yet God brings his message of salvation to these outcasts. These people who weren't even allowed to witness in court, God brings this all-important announcement to them and says, now I want you to go out into the world with it. You see, God's message is for everyone. And he brings it to these shepherds, the outcasts first. It wasn't just for the rich. It wasn't just for the, for, for the important people, for the kings of the world. It was for everyone. And God starts with the outcasts. There's great relevance there. And what do the angels say to them? Verse 10. The angels said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. I bring you good news of great joy. In other words, I bring you the evangel, the gospel message. This is what it is. Spiritual darkness, which has now covered the earth for 4,000 years, is about to be rolled away when this angel makes this announcement. The direct way to pardon and peace with God was about to be thrown open to all mankind when the angel said he was bringing this good news of great joy. Liberty was about to be proclaimed to all mankind. Captives were about to recover their sight and to be freed. Salvation was no longer to be seen through the types and figures, but openly through a man, a God-man, who was now coming face to face with mankind. The knowledge of God was no longer to be confined to the Jews, but was now being offered to all the world to the Gentiles as well. And so the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy for all mankind. You see, mankind would now be freed from the effects of sin and death. It was indeed good news of great joy for all people. It was for Jews, Gentiles, rich, poor, accepted, those accepted by society, the outcasts, It was for all, regardless of nationality, age, social position, education, male or female. The gospel message is for all. And as you sit here today, the gospel message is for you too. You see, we need to watch out for Satan's lies. Satan will tell us that Christianity is only for the good. I've heard it said to me. No, 
This angel was saying, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Don't believe Satan's lie, because by doing that, he tries to exclude people from turning to God and finding grace through that message. You see, Romans 3.23 says what? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that is why all, the same all that have sinned, need this message of salvation. This message is for you as well as for me. And what was the rest of the message? For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And that is the core of the message there. For, you, for today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. There is born for you a Savior. That message hasn't changed over all these years. There is born for you a Savior. And some of you ex- have experienced this Savior who was born as a personal reality in your lives. But there are some of you here who do not yet know this Savior. And the message comes to you as well. Through this angel today, a Savior is born to you as well. Will you come to him? He is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Let's look at these titles that the angel gives to Jesus. He says he is a Savior who is born. Jesus was coming to deliver his people, to deliver mankind from their state of sin. He was a deliverer. He was the Christ, the anointed one, the promised Messiah, born in the city of David, Bethlehem, as the prophecies had foretold. He was the coming Messiah. And He was the Lord, God Himself, God with men. Have you ever stopped and thought about that? This Messiah was God with man. And that's what these angels are proclaiming to these shepherds. That is an amazing message. And I'm coming back to that later this morning. Verse 12, look what He says to them, And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, a sign for you. In other words, what's he implying? I want you to go and look for this baby. And this is how you'll recognize him. He'll be wrapped in swaddling cloths. Now, many babies were wrapped in cloths. Alright, so give us a little bit more. Alright. He will be lying in a manger, in an animal trough. Now, that wasn't usual. Mothers usually try a little bit more tender care for their babies. But this one, there was no room for him. And so his mum had to make do. And he would be lying in a manger. A very clear sign for them. And lest they thought it was all over, verse 13 carries on. And suddenly, there's our word again. Right, these guys are just getting to grips with what the angel is saying about this message. And suddenly, something else happens. There appeared with the angel a multitude, and the word here is army, a host of the heavenly host praising God and saying, as they were sitting there, here's this angel army that suddenly appears. And people have written books already about this. So could everyone in the surrounding area see the angels? I don't know. They could have just appeared to these shepherds. Most likely that's what happened. Because nowhere else do we get any accounts of people seeing this host of angels anywhere. 
But God can make that possible. To these shepherds, God makes this host of angels appear. An army angel. And the next time we're going to see this army angel is where? You and I will see them in heaven with a host of God's people. And together we will sing great hymns of praise to the Lord. And what were they saying? They were saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased. You see, these angels were praising God right here as they did at the beginning of creation. Job chapter 38 verse 7. What does God say here through Job? God says to Job, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. That's these angels. And now again we see these angels here at the start of the new creation. They were there at the old creation and now we see them here again at this new start for mankind. The whole angel army spread out before these shepherds worshipping God. You see, the whole purpose and plan of salvation is what? Is to bring glory to God. The old uh, catechism said it this way, what is man's chief purpose or man's chief end in life? It is to give glory to God. The whole of creation is there. The whole of the salvation plan is there to give glory to God. And here these angels bear it out. Peace among men with whom he is pleased. What are they speaking about? What is this peace? You see, Israel at this stage was living under the Pax Romana. That meant it was a man-made political peace, semi-peace that had been brought about by negotiation and by armies. But these angels aren't speaking about that type of peace. They're speaking about a real inner peace because of God's work of regeneration Peace be upon you. God will bring you peace. It is a peace that's put inside of us as human beings by Almighty God. It's a peace which doesn't depend on circumstances at all. This peace is not given to those who have good will. Look at your passage there. Peace on earth among men with whom he is pleased. That's a fantastic translation. You see, it wasn't God's peace on those men who have good will, which is often misunderstood that way, but it's to those who are the recipients of God's sovereign will in their lives. Those will have peace. Those will find favor. Those who have found favor and pleasure with God. You see, salvation in its fullness is not automatic to to mankind. Salvation is open to those who respond to God's grace and follow the path opened up by Him. Why do I say that? What does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world, He came to love the world, that He gave His only Son. Now my Bible doesn't stop there. There's a condition, you see. This is what it says. God gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. And this is the judgment He carries on. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. You see, this little baby Jesus came to bring peace to mankind. But it was peace for those who would believe. The rest would not have peace. There's another lie there. 
that Satan spouts out. That Jesus came to die for everyone. Yes, he did. But scripture doesn't stop there. There's a human responsibility. We are to believe. And one day when we stand before the Lord Jesus, we can't say, but your son died for me. God will say to you, he did. But what did you do? Did you believe him? Did you accept that gift? Or did you turn your back and reject him? You see, Jesus comes for all, but not all respond to and benefit from his coming. And the question is this morning, as you sit here before me, have you accepted this Jesus Christ as your Savior? Jesus did die for you, but have you accepted him as your Savior? There's a human responsibility on us. That's why it's good news. You see, how you respond to this news will determine not just how you live in this life, but how you die and what happens after your death. And so this message comes to you and I this morning from the angels as well. It is peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. With whom is God pleased? With those who accept the offer of his son. Verse 15, we look at some responses. You see these angels now go up again into heaven and the shepherds begin saying to one another, very rightly after the shock experience, let's go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. There are three groups of people that we notice here. They're the shepherds. And then there's a little bit down, there's all who heard, verse 18, and then there's Mary. And I want to just stop at each of the responses to what happens to them. After the angels had left, and this is always the critical time, there's a message, and then what? The sermon is delivered, and then what? The doctor gives you a prescription, and then what? These angels have left, and it was, imp- it was implied to them, now go and search for this one. So what do they do? These men never hesitated. They didn't squabble about who's going to care for the sheep. They probably just left the sheep right there and went off to Bethlehem. But we see them traveling to Bethlehem. And they needed to go and search for this baby. Let us go, they said. The first Christmas rush. And it wasn't to a uh, certain red retailer where most people are found on Christmas. No, they went off to find this Messiah. They were on a mission. And Scripture says, verse 16, And when they had found him, and that implies there was a search. And you can imagine why. You see, don't get confused by what you see in Christmas plays where you've got the star up there and it's pointing to a little house. That only came later, actually, when the wise men came along. But these shepherds didn't have anything like this. They had to go and find this one. And that meant knocking on doors, finding out where babies had been born. I can imagine, I don't know how they did it, knocking on doors in the middle of the night. Has a baby been born? No, close the door. I don't know how they did it. But they searched until they found this Messiah. And how did they know they'd found the right one? Because there was Mary and Joseph and this babe wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. And they knew. God must have put that in them. This is the Messiah. They found him. And what does the text say? Verse 17. Very interesting. 
after they had seen this, obviously they paid their homage, but after they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. You see, the angel had brought them this message, this gospel message, and what do the shepherds do? They made it widely known, says the text. They made this message known. They must have told Joseph and Mary what the angels had said. They must have told every man and his dog what had happened with them and what the angels had said because they were so highly excited. This isn't usual. And so they spread this message. And no, they didn't use theological terms. They didn't use the words justification, sanctification. They didn't know about angelology and all kinds of technical terms like that. They just spread the news of what they knew. Isn't that true? That's what they were doing. They spread the statement about what had been told them far and wide. They weren't professional preachers. They weren't scholars. These were uneducated shepherds who had seen salvation revealed to them, angels appearing to them, and now they were telling. Witnesses. I think we can stop there. And just think about that a little bit. You see, these shepherds received a message. They believed it by faith. They acted on it immediately. And then they spoke it out. Evangelism. Receive a message. Accept it by faith. Believe it. Act on it. Tell it out. Here's our first picture of evangelists. And here these shepherds who couldn't testify in court, and yet God uses them to start testifying to the whole world. They didn't need qualifications. All they needed was obedience. What about you and me? There's a second group there, and that's all who heard. Verse 18, look at your text. It says, And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. There's the proof that shepherds had gone out and telling all. They were telling everyone. And everyone who heard this amazing story wondered at it. They marveled at it. They were amazed at it. You see, that is the world's response. When we tell them what God has done in, in our lives and through our lives, they will marvel at it. That's the way we are created as mankind. But, and there's a big but, Unfortunately, that wonderment soon changes to rejection and hardness of heart. That is the unfortunate side of this message. But we still need to be telling the world what they do with it is between them and the Lord. I heard a man telling me once, it was during Christmas up in Auckland, we were giving our tracts, speaking to people, right the day before Christmas, and he says to me, I'm not into all this religious stuff at Christmas. Does that make sense to you? The whole reason for us speaking about these things and faith and Christmas being there, and then this man says, I'm not into all this religious stuff. I'd rather just have the retail experience. All who heard wondered. We need to speak out and the world will marvel. That's the way God has designed His salvation message. And then there was a third group here. It was Mary. How did Mary respond to everything that had happened and to this message from these shepherds? There were two things she did. Have a look at the text. She treasured these things in her heart and pondered them. She treasured these things in her heart. 
She took into account what had happened. She didn't disregard it. She took it to heart. And then she mulled over it. She thought about it. She churned over it in her mind. And we often find Mary reacting that way. See, she didn't hop up right there and start broadcasting the message. She first had to treasure this and ponder over in her heart, and then she would proclaim again. She had already spoken out her praises, but she would get more chances to speak out and be a witness. How much do you and I treasure these things about God? How much do you and I treasure the truths of salvation? How much do we mull over them? How much do we ponder over them? Or how much do we push these things aside because we are very busy with all kinds of things? She pondered these things in her heart. And then verse 20, And the shepherds went back. Look at this reaction now. The shepherds went back to their sheep, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. They were having a worship session on the way back to their sheep. They were praising God and giving Him glory. And isn't that the reaction that comes up in us when we do what God wants us to do? God puts that joy in us which just bubbles out. And you can't understand why, but you've been obedient and God gives it to you as a gift. It is a gift of God. Peace and joy I bring you. And here they exhibit it. Because they've been obedient. And so from this passage this morning, I want to leave you with four challenges from this passage. The first one is the word accept. Accept the good news in faith. If you are sitting here today and you still have not accepted the message of salvation, that Jesus is the only way back to God and that you are in a state of sin without Him and that you will die in your sin if you do not accept Him today because He loves you, I plead with you today. Accept this message in faith. And you may not be able to to understand everything yet about Christianity, but there are certain basic truths that you need to know, and then you too can experience living faith. And I'd ask you to speak to someone today. Speak to a friend that you might be with. Speak to someone in your family, or come and speak to one of the elders, but accept the good news in faith today. Don't stand before the Lord one day and He says to you, Why didn't you believe me? And you said, I never heard. You've heard today. There is a message. There is a Savior. You need to accept Him in faith. And then you can learn about the rest of the Christian faith. You don't need to know it all before you believe. There's a third lie from Satan. You need to know more about Christianity. You need to know everything about Christianity and then you can believe. Don't believe Him. You need to understand and believe the gospel message. That's it. The rest you'll learn. The second challenge I want to leave with you is, if you're a believer here today, be obedient. Here's the key word. Be obedient quickly. That little word later is our greatest enemy, isn't it? I will listen to God later, next year. Next week, be obedient quickly. Be like those shepherds. They went straight to Bethlehem. They left their sheep. And there was instant obedience to God and to His commands. And I urge you this morning too, 
Have instant obedience, obedience to the promptings of God through His Spirit in your heart. When you feel prompted by the Spirit to act in a certain way, to do certain things, do them, act on them. Be quick in your obedience. Because you will experience the blessing of God for obedience. And yes, you might not understand all the ramifications and all the implications of everything you've got to do, but react to those promptings that He puts on you. Make sure they are biblical. Look at what is prompted you. See if it doesn't conflict with anything taught to you in the Word, but then act on those promptings. Listen to God. Push aside those other things which will take away your attention. It's a command that I go back to here. Have no other gods before Him. We're so quick to put other things in our minds and to get excuses for not believing. Thirdly, speak out. You see, if these shepherds could, you can. And no, they didn't have theological degrees. And no, they didn't have training. They hadn't learned two ways to live the presentation on the gospel message. They hadn't even thought about the consequences. They acted and spoke out. What excuses do you and I come up with? I know I do. What excuses do you come up with to not tell someone about Jesus Christ? Can I ask you a second question? When last did you tell someone about Jesus Christ? If you're a believer here today, you've been left on this earth with a task. What is it? If you're not sure, look at the back there. It's always up there for us. Go and make disciples of all nations. If you're a believer here today, God has left you here with that purpose. When last did you tell someone about the Lord Jesus Christ? And if you haven't, the reason for that is, maybe you feel unsure what to say. Well, then go and look in God's Word. Speak to someone and find out how do I verbalize the gospel message? And once you've done that, then take it out to someone. Speak out and tell someone about the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a great little summary of the gospel message. Fanny Crosby wrote it years ago in an old hymn. This is what it says. To God be the glory. Great things He has done. Why do you say that? So loved He the world that He gave us His Son. What did His Son do? who yielded his life, an atonement for sin. And by doing so, he opened the life gate that all may go in. There's a good little summary for you. It's got all those ingredients you need to know about the gospel message. Speak out the gospel. Push aside your excuses. Speak it out. There are people out here who need to know the gospel message. Or maybe the problem is this morning that this gospel message is old news to you now. Remember that excitement when you first heard the gospel message? When you realized Jesus died for me. For me. Maybe that message has become old to you and stale. I ask you this morning, come back to your first love. There is another love in your life. If if this message is old to you, there is another love in your life. And it's not Jesus Christ. Come back to your first love today and then take out that message. And God will give you the ability to speak when you need to. To live out the Christian testimony as you need to live it before the world. And then fourthly, be amazed. Be amazed. 
You see, when people heard the message, they were amazed at what God had done. And I'm not pushing this too far by saying this. If you're feeling spiritually listless, if you're feeling spiritually on the downhill, if you're feeling spiritually unfulfilled and out of touch with God, if you're feeling unmotivated in your life, and you're feeling you're on spiritual life support, you get what I'm saying? Then contemplate, as Mary did, contemplate God's truths. Contemplate what Jesus Christ did for you. Treasure it in your heart. Think about these truths. And when you do that, God will give you His joy back into your life. And so you need to get back to His Word. Are you in His Word? Get back to His Word. Experience again the thrill of exhilaration which God puts into us. And you too will end up praising and glorifying God. And people will see you and they will take note and the world will marvel at what God is doing in and through your life. And not just that, you will experience a peace which the angels speak about, which will overcome you and overflow in you. And you will experience God's overwhelming love in your life. If you do what he says, your spiritual energy will return and he will carry on his work in you. But come back to him and be amazed. If you got those four things, accept the good news in faith. Be obedient quickly. The message has gone out this morning. What will you do with it? Speak out the message in obedience. And then be amazed at what God does in you and through you to bring out that message into the world. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says this, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, past tense. And therefore, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased. Is God pleased with you? Yes, you might have your sin and yes, you might have your faults. But is God pleased with you? Because you come in humility to Him daily on your knees and you confess your wrongdoings. You confess your weaknesses and you allow God to restore you once again. It's a daily process, people. And then God uses you mightily for His purposes. I'd encourage you in the walk. And I know some of you are going through hard times. I'd encourage you in the Christian walk today. Come back to God's Word and be encouraged and then receive His joy, which you will not understand, but it will be there. Let's pray. Lord our God, we thank You for this account You gave in Your Word. of the angels coming to men, those plain shepherds, and giving them this message of great joy, which they then had to go and take out. And Lord, thank you that in your word, you've recorded for us how these men were obedient to you, and how they went and found the Saviour, and worshipped, and then went out from there speaking out, what they'd seen and heard. And Lord, help us in this challenge to be obedient like they were 
and to not keep this message of salvation to ourselves, but to tell it out, to speak it out, to live it out to those we come into contact with. A world that needs you, Lord. And Lord, I pray for any here that still do not know you. Lord, your Spirit will do a work in them too if they but bow the knee before you. And so I plead for any here that they will come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the one who loves them. Lord, do a great work, not just in this church, but through this church as we go out from this place back into our daily lives. Lord, use us, we pray, as living witnesses to your great power and the glory that comes from that. To you be the glory. Amen.